Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Bibliostapes and Discussion. Today, I've got the great pleasure of being joined by photographer Paul Tracy. Good evening, Paul. Hello there. Hello, everybody Thank- out there in Blogland. Yeah. There we go. Thank podcast podcast land land, indeed. Yes, that's it. So thank you very much for joining me to talk about your photography and your your handmade books. Um, Obviously, I picked up one of your recent passerby series, which was number seven. I know number eight has just recently come out. But before we get into talking about your kind of your love and your passion for handmade books, it would be great if you could give everyone an introduction to your photographic journey and background. Right. Well, where do I start? Um. I probably go back to 1984. Uh, well, no, actually earlier. I was always an artistic kid. Yeah. Uh, was good at music, good at sport. Was really shit at school. Um, uh, later discovering actually only in my 40s that I'm, that I'm actually dyslexic. But uh, right. I, um, at the age of about, what was it, 13 or so, my parents realized that I couldn't read and I was sent off out the back country roads of the town where I lived out to this eccentric American woman who found herself in a small town, Ireland. I don't know how she was there. I used to think she was put there just to teach me how to read. But anyway, I used to, <laughs> I would cycle out to her place uh, once a week for about six months. And um, she basically taught me to read in about six months. So my parents uh, were about to move to the Middle East right. and we were, expected to go to this big international school there. And mum and dad panicked and realised, ah, son number one can't read. What the hell are we going to do? Uh, Nobody knew about dyslexia or any of that sort of stuff. They just left me get on with things because, you know, I was good at art and sport and music. So they're thinking he's not taking, he's just not taking, he's just being lazy. But (laughs) anyway, so, so I had my, I had, Art was the thing that kept me going. I was always making stuff and painting and building things. Cool. Um, you could see my, my hands are flying around all over the place. Um, so I'm always making stuff. Um, but uh, this this woman uh, had a big impact on me, actually. She taught me to read using um, 1950s American sci-fi illustrated uh, sci-fi books with really large text and fantastic illustrations. Right. And I just gobbled that stuff up. Yeah. Um, but it was in my 40s that I actually got a diagnosis. But anyway, so that's so I always had that artistic bent pushing me and the craft side of things. I always wanted to make things and paint and build. Um, and so when I got to Saudi and joined the school there, um, they had a really strong art department. Um, and I excelled at that stuff and I tried everything I could, yeah, yeah, get my hands on, you know. So, um so that was very cool. Uh, the other thing I did big time when in my early teenage years was uh, I was a pretty serious squash player, and squash is big in 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 Saudi anyway. You know, it's yeah. like, uh, and I was coached by by a pretty very top seed professional player, mm-hmm. my brother and I, um, and so I I entered this competition. It was a Canon sponsored tournament in Jeddah, and uh, I got all the way to the final got beaten by an English fella, which was hard to take, I must say. <laughs> but um but I wouldn't hold he was he was I should have beaten him because I had an all court game and this guy was just brute force. You know, I think right, he okay. was further on in his development than me, <laughs> as strong as a horse. Anyway, he's he he smashed me off the court. 
But uh, as a runner-up, I was uh, awarded a Canon Snappy camera, one of these instant, you know, these uh, oh, yeah. compact cameras, Snappy camera, yeah. but really, really fast autofocus. And uh, it just blew my mind. You know, I was hoping for the Canon AE-1, I think was the... Right, the top prize. The, the top prize. But I was happy with what I got. And I I put lots of films through that thing. Uh uh, I don't have any of those pictures, unfortunately, um, from the deserts around Saudi, around Jeddah. But um, but that kind of got the that set the photo bug big time. Yeah. But my my um, my dad was big into photography as well. But um, actually, now that I think of it, there was a time before, just a few months before we moved to Saudi, when I went went on a scout camp up Galway in the west of Ireland to a place called Portumna. And my mother gave me a camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a little, it was, a, it was an ancient Agfa thing, fully manual. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I just was completely Spellbound. mystified by the thing. And it was such a beautiful object. So that, that was actually, that was the first seed. So it was mm-hmm. my mother who, who kicked it all off. Yeah. Um, and then I, I learned a lot from watching my dad pursue his, his hobby. Um, Anyway, blah, blah. I, uh, when I left school, I went to art school in Limerick uh, to study graphic design. Yep. And for the first couple of years, I was doing really well. I was loving it. But um, I, uh, there was a, a, yet another English fellow <laughs> who came along and led me astray uh, by, by doing a photography workshop. He was, uh, he was touring around the various art schools in Ireland right. and he, did, cool. uh, he, so we did this elective photography project and he took a shine to what I was doing. Um, and he gave me a, a bag of outdated film, just loads and loads of this film. And he arranged for me to get access to, to use the facilities quite late in the evening and things, you know, so I would sort of stay behind right. and process film and things. Yeah. Um, and that, that set that, that changed my my whole trajectory because my yeah. design grade started to go down because I was hitting, I knew I was approaching the end of my particular talents in, in regards to design. The design course was very 2D, corporate ID stuff. Okay, and I yeah. was very much three-dimensional and crafty. And so photography really appealed. Um, and then that, as my design grades went down, the director of the design program was also from England and she arranged for me to transfer to study in Greater Manchester. So to study photography. So yeah. I, I I moved to moved to England to study photography for a year. Didn't expect to stay, but um ultimately I met my wife here. So <laughs> um but I hated the course in Wigan. I really hated it. I loved all the facilities, but I hated the course and um, and I was a bit miserable. I'd left all my friends behind and I thought, what the hell was going on? And, yeah. You know, I was quite unsettled. So I um, I just started to do my own thing. Just walk and walk and walk and explore as much as I could. I'd be out for days just walking around um, making pictures. And that's that's when the real street photography thing kicked off, you know. Yeah. Um, and then before the end of that year, I'm talking way too much. It's just very oh, long out. But um, uh, towards the end of that that year in England, I I called my dad up and told him I wasn't going to do my my finals. I was just going to see if I could get work. Um, they told me on the course that I was too old at the age of whatever it was twenty two. Yeah. To to get into newspaper photography, I told him that was 
bullshit. Um, yeah. They tried to get me uh, an internship at ITV Studios, and I didn't want that. I just wanted news. Wanted a news beat, so I set up my own thing at the Lancashire Evening Post, and uh, ended up doing a few shifts for them. Right. Um, and then one evening, I did a lot of weekend stuff, late evening stuff, big events, that kind of stuff. Loved it. Learned a lot. Um, and uh, the chief photographer there then told me that there was a news agency in Liverpool looking for a, a photographer for just a couple of weeks to cover one of their staff who was going on holidays. The, I think Aintree was coming up, the Grand National. They needed somebody in the dark room to kind of run What's films it? and things. Yeah. And I slotted in there for a couple of weeks. And then he, the guy came back from vacation and weeks later I was still there. <laughs> so I, I, uh, so I, I, I asked the editors, you know, what's the story? I mean, I'm, you're still paying me. I'm still, I'm still here processing film. And, uh, and they said, well, you know, we have a job opening up at our Birmingham office. If you'd be interested in going down there. And I said, sure. So then I went on and became a staff photographer at an agency called Caters News Agency. Okay. I think it's a completely different operation now, but back in the nineties, it was it was a pretty good national news agency, um, and I I did a good two and a half three years there, um, yeah, learning the ropes, and then three years it's about three months into my into my time at Cages, I had my first front page in the Daily Telegraph, fantastic, would have been ninety three, and it just went from there, you know, did a lot of Aston Villa home games and uh, Wolves. Yeah. City, Coventry City, when they were in the Premier League, um, that was the early days of the Premier League. That yeah. that's that's when it all started. Um, yeah. Then after that, uh, let's see, ninety four, ninety three. Yeah, I moved to New York shortly after oh, that. Brilliant. Um, because my wife and I, after a, a mad summer fling, realized that we were actually both heading to the states <laughs> oh, right. she, she was she was going to the states as a fulbright scholar and i was going to the states because i got a green card you know i got this green card that my mum forged my signature so that i could get this thing it's a long story but anyway <laughs> uh um but because i'd moved to the uk uh they had to transfer my um green card application from dublin to london and of course it got lost and it delayed everything by about six months so she headed off and then about Several months later, I followed her. So we did a stint in New York in uh, 94, 95. That was really good. So I did yeah. quite a bit of work for Irish newspapers when I was there. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was good because we were building up to the to the Good Friday Agreement. And there was all this, Yeah. you know, there was a lot of activity on that scene, you know, and politicians going to and fro the States all the time because they're kind of drumming up support and yep. raising money and all that kind of stuff. So I was I was kind of, in that scene for a while um yeah anyway so we ended up doing toing and flowing between london and new york quite a lot my wife and i and eventually i returned to new york in 99 to study at icp which is the international center of photography so i did the documentary photography and photojournalism program there for a year that was amazing yeah um so i got to work with um uh, I was tutored by Mary Ellen Mark, uh, Jeff Jacobson, Charlie Harbutt, uh Joan Lifton, of course, was the course director. Uh, some amazing people. Michael Yamashita, um, Joe Rodriguez, Brian Young. It's great. 
So that was a, a year of really intense, Study. intense workshops, really. That's yeah. what it is. It's just a year of, of workshops, one after the other, with various different people. And uh, then came back to London, did it all over again. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I kind of, that's that's a very, very drawn out. Fat, fat, a fascinating journey through yeah. Uh, through different for, through different forms of art that but that's the thing and you now now here you are and you're still out photographing the photographing the streets but making these uh, making these beautiful uh, beautiful books the the mm. passerby series and um, I know you made a couple of other books first as well and what what's obviously what's drawn you to making your own books what where where does um, the where does the appeal well, come from yeah I said um. You know, I've kind of wondered about this for a while. I mean, I've done some books with blurb. Yeah. The first book I did was um was a book of of people with their dogs, and I did that in two thousand and three, four, something like that, quite a while ago. Um, but I only made a small number of them. Um, I was just kind of exploring the the, the process, um, yeah. exploring the design software and trying to put these things together. Um, but at the time, I was actually a stay at home dad looking after two boys um so i wasn't really you know i wasn't pushing to sell a lot of these things i was just yeah. kind of trying to learn the learn the process with a view to maybe doing books later on in my career yeah um uh you know because i have that design background and 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 the technical chops i suppose software wise to do this sort of thing yeah um but um yeah, so when I when I stopped being a stay at home dad, I, I I worked as a swimming instructor for a bit because the hours were the same as as you know the school hours. Yeah. Um. And uh, and then when I could, I would make pictures. Um. And I I think I've mentioned this before somewhere in the blog post or whatever it was. I used to get kind of frustrated because I was also stay at home dad after we moved back from New York, with the two boys looking after them. I mean, I was picking up a few little gigs here and there. Um, and while I was in the States, I had a few annual report gigs that would keep me going just a few days a year, overnights. Um, but uh, so, you know, I used to get a little bit frustrated that I wasn't getting into central London to kind of do my street photography stuff. Uh, um, you know, it, those those pre, you know typical London locations to shoot on the street. But I um there was one occasion coming back, uh, you know, I had the boys, they were small, one of them was in a buggy and and I kind of left them on the footpath as I sort of ran to chase a picture. And <laughs> and it was a cat suspended from a from a window pane. And and it was, it's not a brilliant picture or anything, but but it made me think, it 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 reminded me of a picture I'd made quite some time before. Yep. So I went looking for that picture and I pulled it out and I played around and I thought, oh, no, this is in this. And and another picture reminded me of another one and another one. And there's this whole cascade kicked yeah. in um, uh, only to realize that I'd had all the time that I was being a stay at home dad. I'd, I'd amassed huge number of pictures all yeah. from the kind of this neighborhood, this neighborhood here in Southeast London. Um, and I started to I started to put them all together and I, there were all these little sequences that sort of evolved from cool. from the pile of pictures, and then I realized I had a book on my hands. Um, mm. uh, but then I, I rather than make the book, I, I just kept going for another couple of years, 
just to kind of flesh with you know with with the knowledge knowing that i had been doing this kind of yes. unaware yeah, if you yeah. like um and then i i put all those pictures together and made my first handmade book which was initially called southeast um and then i changed it to hinterland um that was an idea that came from nick turpin actually um and uh, just the way he described the work he described it as you know coming across the vast hinterland of southeast london whatever it was so i changed the title and i got the prints commercially made at xyz which, oh yeah um, yes yeah yeah so they um but i just had the prints nothing else just yes. they sent me the prints with the crop marks yeah yeah uh, cool. and i cut them up and i pasted them all together and i made 50 of those books and i sold i think i sold 48 of them um which is good going mostly yeah. through the pandemic but i was hooked when i when when people when i realized that people were were willing to to buy these things um <laughs> you know because there i i i guess i realized that there was a there was a a subsection of of photo book fans who liked the handcrafted side of things right so absolutely yeah and then i then i just gradually came to the realization that the process of putting a book together by hand was pretty much as important to me as walking the streets and looking to yeah. make interesting pictures so the two go together very much so yeah i i i take i think you're you're absolutely spot on i i really enjoy the process of making the books the physicality of it mm. i find it incredibly therapeutic as well and i can just work away on stuff and it maybe takes three or four nights to do something once it's all glued and it's actually holding together without it coming to a million pieces mm. basically but i find it incredibly rewarding and as you say it's the whole process and i've, I've watched your your time-lapse videos of passerby three and your videos that you've recently released as well um, and it, it's a great process particularly even just the sequencing and you can see the process through from start to finish of capturing yeah. the work editing process and sequencing it seeing how it all works together then printing it out and then yeah as you say it's getting down into the cutting mat and just getting everything lined up sticking it together and then all of a sudden you've got this physical product which is whether you sell it, keep it for yourself or whatever, it's a beautiful way just to be able to enjoy your own work and, and share your work with others. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other driving force, particularly behind the Passerby series, was yep. um, the fact that I, I need to come up with material relatively regularly for my agency. Yeah, right. right so okay. millennia, I've been with Millennium Images now since 2003, and they're looking for stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, and I really liked the, the way Niall O'Leary, who's the art director there, he, I love the way he curates what I what I do. Um, and he said something in a, I, th I think it was a birthday post on Facebook. He said, you know, he often, he often mentions contributing photographers on their birthday, on Millennium, right. on, uh, cool. on Millennium's post. It's, it's a nice thing to do. But yeah. he described, he, just, he said about my pictures, he said, uh, he said uh, that I like to find mystery and menace in the everyday, and I thought, oh no, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. I because yeah. I'd never really kind of, I'd never tried to sum up what it is I do or what my approach is. It just sort of evolved of its own accord, as these things do. But but he put those words to it, and that got me thinking. So that, and then the need to update him regularly with new material and also the need for me to get out on the streets otherwise i'd go bonkers if i wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. making pictures regularly uh and and then of course the 
the, the experience of having made uh, hinterland. So all of those things together, put them into the cauldron, stir them up. That's 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 how I came up with the idea of doing, uh, idea of doing passerby. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, and I, uh, like some of the books I made initially had, you know, I used staples or I used glue. I, I experimented with whole different, yeah. all different kinds of processes. But some of them just took too long and you have to get these weights and weigh them down yeah. at the glue set. And that's so bullshit, you know, because if I mean, I it, that would be fantastic. If people were willing to pay for them, because it, you know, pay for, pay for the time, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, and and they're not, you know, like like twenty quid for a passerby book seems steep, but you know, it takes me all day to make them, yeah, um, and uh, you know, and it's all my own printers and all that stuff, um, but once I once I made the first one, and then, and I thought, you know, okay, so this has been an interesting experience. I'll make another one. I'll make a, a number two. Yeah, and I thought, yeah, that's okay. There's a bit of a thing going on there, so I make number three, and then I changed. I changed from doing the staple zines, you know, where you if you're using double sided sheets, you have to line them up a certain way so that, yeah, yeah. so that everything matches. When anyway, it's kind of complicated and time consuming. But then I I remember doing the lay flat stuff, um, for hinterland, um, and I do love a double page spread. I like to be able to use as much space as possible. Cool, and yeah. I also like to to display one image at a time. Yeah, with these rather than having you know they play off each other nicely, but you know turn the page for the next one. Yeah. Um, and so I I reverted then to the lay flat and using just the tapes to to bind them together and get rid of the staples, get rid of the glue, get rid of the cardboard covers, and keep it all as light as possible so that they're inexpensive to to ship. Sure. Um, and and then I and then I I settled on the three and a half by five inches. Because you can get it means you can get two prints on a on an A4 sheet, right? So it becomes quite economical to run it through the printer that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and anyway, so they so I've got I've got my systems in place now, and I have even I've got a couple of, you know, I've got a couple of heavy cards that I use to to very quickly make my boxes for each one. You know, right. so yeah. Anyway. So I've got all my systems down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it, but it's all part. It's all part of the process, and it's all part of buying into the the, the handmade element because that's what's so nice about it. it, it everything comes, and you, I I know that you've you've printed everything yourself, and as you say, you think about what works so that actually it becomes as efficient a process as as, as possible. And mm. as you say, you get it to the size that works for shipping, and you've got your cards, etc. And and it's part of the experience of receiving something that actually, yeah, you can, you you know, when it arrives, this has all been handmade, and there's been love, care, and attention paid to it, and someone has thought about all these as opposed to just printing something that's a an ideal size and putting in a random box or mm. envelope or whatever like that. And it is, it's, it's the, for me, it's like I, I buy a number of handmade books and they're all, I, I, I love them all because I know someone's actually taking the time. And it's like people say, Oh yeah, well there's maybe imperfections. Imperfections are what make the handmade book particularly mm. for me because then every single one is slightly different because the imperfection in one will not be the imperfection in the other and it shows that it has been handmade if that makes sense as well yeah it it does it's like it's like you know buying a good record and listening to it and then yeah. and then going hear the band playing a, a live set 
yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, it's like the handmade book is a live set kind of thing. That's that's kind of how I think of it. Yeah. Um, you know, just brings that other other dimension. But it was just, you know, I, I guess just just having that realization one day that that uh, the craft side is as important to me as yeah. the photography. And then it's always a battle of time. You know, you're always trying to find as much time as possible to be on the streets making pictures yeah. because there are several days you go out and you get nothing. Yeah. You don't see anything or your head is not in the right place. Or maybe if your head is not in the right place, then you'll make some dark pictures. And that's not a bad thing. That can be good. No, you yeah, know? Um, so it, like, it, I don't know. I don't know. But at I, the moment, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to find a way to get out and make more work yeah. um, and make the process of putting the books together much faster. Yeah, because um, what I do like is is the fact that Passerby 8 is images that you've shot since Passerby 7, and then it's like an evolving process. So mm. you're, you're, it's kind of, it's always fresh. So I suppose once once you finish Passerby 8, you know, right, and Passerby 9 is not going to exist until I get out. And as you say, make, make new work and, and get the body of work for it. That's right. That's right. And, and and it can be a little frustrating because, you know, you'll make a picture that goes into Passerby 8 and you think, oh, that would be brilliant against that picture. But yeah. that picture was already in Passerby 4. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to break my own rules here. But then I started thinking, well, actually, there is a way around that. So what at the end of a particular year? You make a best of yeah, yeah, yeah. and you pull pull the and make a new sequence. But you're drawing from each of the the books from the from the from the last 12 months yeah um and then maybe even doing a blurb one or or a, or a kickstarter or something i don't know yeah but doing a more a more kind of commercially produced i'm not sure these are just ideas that are spinning around at the moment um but we'll see i just want to get on and make number nine uh and also uh thinking about trying to market some prints maybe from each one yeah you know, starting small, like a, an A4 print or something like that. Somebody wants to stick it in a corner somewhere. Yeah, um, I, I, absolutely. Well, it's, it's a, they're lovely. The number seven is lovely body of work and beautiful sequence as well. So as as you say, it's like take it and see see where the idea develops and and see see where you see where you can take it from but how how do you set yourself time time limits or do you say well actually I'm, i've now done eight so i'm aiming to have nine done within a couple of months or to kind of force yourself to get out or is it just right once i've got the work that i need for number nine then i'll, I'll print i'll make number nine and how how, how do you kind of approach it yeah, well, it can be a, it can be a number of different things. Um, sometimes it's a matter of <clears throat> having fifteen or sixteen pictures that work together. Yeah. Um, you know, I might have ten, and then it might take ages to get another <laughs> six that work. Um, I mean, it would be easy to dig into the archive and pull something out, but but I think I think it would be inauthentic somehow. Certainly to me, yeah. um, that's that's a different type of project, perhaps. Um, I initially wanted to make one a month, uh, but then I realized that's just, that's not going to happen, you know, because <laughs> I, I, I work 20 hours a week at Apple. Right. Um, and that's a new thing um, since the pandemic, you know, a lot of work went away. So, yeah. um, you know, working at Apple is, I've been learning so much, actually. Cool. It's been, a, it's an incredible environment. Um, but, uh, and, then I was thinking maybe I need to get out of the tube and get on my bicycle 
to go to work, maybe put a little electric hub motor on it because it's a bit of a ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that might be a way to see some pictures on my way to and from work that might open up some possibilities for passerby. Um, or just of a night that I finish late, maybe I'll just stay out for another couple of hours and make work. Yeah. Um, although I'm normally ravenously hungry by then. Um <laughs> You know, so I, I I'll figure it out. I'll figure out how to how to find the time specifically to go out making pictures. But what I have found, however, is that a lot of the the pictures that have really interested me have come from really mundane things, yeah. like going out for a pint of milk or um, being out with the dog. Um, you know, it could be anything. It could be. It could be going into the kitchen to start making a meal, but something funny is going on outside. Um, and then, you know, I'll grab a picture. You know what I mean? It could be something yeah. in the house. It's, yeah. it, there's always something, but you have to be you have to be open to it. Um, uh, yeah, but I, I think as you start these projects, your mind begins to become more conscious, subconsciously aware of what you're maybe looking for and as you say what works well and as you go through each one and you begin to sequence every one I think your brain begins to maybe adapt and start thinking about these things specifically and then mm. you're out maybe you're out maybe working and you you will be aware of what other images you've captured that you think yes okay right something like that would work and um, might work nicely with it and I, I think your your mind just begins to work in a different way because you you've kind of got an end goal already in mind before you've actually before you've started the process mm, really mm. yeah there are so many street photographers who 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 kind of set themselves projects you know yeah. so that at least they have parameters w within which to work when they yeah. hit the streets whereas i don't i go totally blank yeah um and that, that's kind of exhausting but i've tried thinking oh let's let's think about red let's think about yeah. <laughs> bad weather let's think about this that shadows or highlights i'm thinking no i'm not i'm not doing that stuff that's formulaic and I, it doesn't work for me yeah. i've tried it it doesn't work for me so i just have to just go out and see what the hell it's the zany crazy shit that 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 uh, Interest. You know, um yeah, that grabs my attention. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, I, I, I spent years getting really close to people doing all the kind of funny, ha -ha, quirky stuff. And I tend to step back a little bit more. And and um, it used to be that the faster I walked when I was on the street, the more I could slow things down and perceive things. I don't know if that's an aspect of dyslexia, but I walk really fast and then I, it's... it's um, it's like playing sport. You, you, your, your anticipation, your ability to anticipate stuff speeds up, or it does for me anyway. Um, but now, now I tend to just kind of slow down and let the world come at me cool. instead of me right, going yeah. after it and yeah. and 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 just seeing what the hell happens. Um, yeah. Having said that, my my strike rate has not been particularly high recently, but. Um, <laughs> Or, or you know, I've made pictures, but I thought, no, I've seen this kind of thing a hundred times before. Yeah. So I have set a fairly high bar in terms of what I'll, what I'll use. Um, yeah. But I, th I think, I think everyone, I think there's, I think it's always good for everyone to work within, as you say, your rules, and mm. th they're only your rules. But as you say, if you, 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 as you say, you could probably dip into your archives quite easily and pick out some nice images. But as you say, you've you've set your rules, you've set your boundaries. And whilst no one else would be none the wiser, you would know yourself that actually you've kind of just snuck past them and 
yeah, it, it it's I think it's nice. I think it challenges and pushes everyone to 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 I suppose strive forward by sticking within certain constraints. I don't think there's personally I like working within some form of constraints because I think it kind of focuses my mind and it works for me. Yeah, yeah. But I have done that in the past. Like the the very first project I did was yeah, people and their dogs, and that was a lot of that was motivated by the fact that that I I I. I don't. I got. I get on very well with dogs, uh, and, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that my mother was a breeder. So I right, there okay. were dogs all over the place when I was when I was young. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I I I sort of have conversations with them, and their owners wouldn't even know. You know, it's like it all happens really quick. And you, you, um. Anyway, so that was the first book of it. Then I did another book in the states, all the way between nineteen ninety four and two thousand and eight, when I finally left New York with all the toing and froing in between, I produced a body of work looking at US flag etiquette. Which, which, because I realized that, that, that because, you know, coming, being Irish, you know, and, and, and uh, our flag is, is so important to us. It's so loaded politically, you know, it's like yeah. the green represents nationalism and orange represents a unionist tradition, if you like. And then white is the kind of neutral ground and, and it, it sort of allows for a multitude of, of identities and things like that. And it's very important. Yeah. And we kind of bring it out only on on important occasions, be they sporting or whatever. When I went to the States and I realized that the, the flag was ubiquitous, it was all over the place and any old excuse, you know. But then I realized, too, that that the way you if you take it upon yourself to 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 display a flag, then there within the constitution there is a code there is a flag code that you have to adhere to or that you are expected to adhere to you know it has to be made of a certain kind of material if it's going to be out in all weathers if it's going to be out overnight it has to be lit it's right. never supposed to touch the ground you're not a, you're not allowed to write on the flag or a, or a or an image of the flag you're not supposed to but we see it all the time yeah and um and also when the flag is vertical the stars are supposed to be top left but right. so many Americans put it top right because they just don't have a clue. Yeah. Um, but but the, the, so I realized that there was there was great potential there for a project. So yeah. looking at both good and really stupid examples of U.S. flag etiquette. Yeah. So <laughs> I put that together as a book. And again, I was when I when I made the book, I was I was still at home with the kids mostly. And so I didn't really do very much with it. But it's it's definitely something in the back of my mind to play with because yeah. it's quite a big a big body of work. And then I did another big project uh, just looking at the kinds of signs that people use on the streets, um, you know, during protests and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and cool. that's, I mean, that's been done before, but yeah, the book I produced on it, I think was, was quite good because it, um, anyway, there's, there's some fairly hard hitting stuff there, but also it's of its time, you know, think yeah. back to the election, George Bush, yeah, uh, on, even, even, even before that yeah so when Kerry was running for 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 office and and all the kind of stuff in the Halloween parades and things in New York so that was that was quite an intense project as well um so those two and then I I did a a big big project on the Irish community in New York yeah um, because I that was the environment in which I was working yeah um because what what was interesting there is you had two quite distinct communities of irish people there so you had a lot of people who came to new york and other cities as well but new york particularly who came illegally 
yep. you know, during the 70s and 80s, when, or the 80s particularly, when things were so shit at home. Um, yeah. You just export huge numbers of people. And they, and, uh, but then there was an amnesty many years later. There was an amnesty, and a lot of people who arrived illegally then managed to get legal status. But they yeah. were already kind of well embedded in, say, blue collar, working class kind yeah. of jobs, working construction, all kinds of stuff, um, the pub scene, whatever. And they tended to congregate in, in two particular enclaves, one in the Bronx and one in, in, in Queens. Um, but then you had an influx of Irish who came in on the Morrison visa and then the Schumer visa. I was I had the Schumer visa, uh, where the Irish were afforded a disproportionately high number of green cards. Okay. Um, you know, I think we have five thousand a year at one point. Which, right. thinking about the size of Ireland, that's a lot. Yeah, quite a few. Um, and uh, but uh, but because a lot of those well-educated Irish were arriving in New York with full legal status, they tended to settle in places like. Brooklyn Heights and Manhattan and they worked their way into the professions and were very yes. much part of and embraced kind of New York life uh, in a way that some of the other communities didn't. They were they were like it was like going to mail, you know, some of the yeah. you know what I mean? It was yeah. they they sort of clung on to a lot of their, you know, and they they stayed together. They didn't they didn't mingle so much. Whereas the uh, the newly arrived professionals did. And there was a bit of tension between those between cool. those groups. Yeah. Yeah, some extent, or resentment even. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that's something I looked at, and and there's a book in there too. Um, so that's also for the, that's not going to be a handmade book. That'll be a yeah. project for the future, possibly. Yeah. But I'm perfectly happy to keep all those on the back burner because I'm just uh, you know these are the these are what I'm hooked on at the moment. Yeah, that, um, that that's it. But as you say, it's like as you're as you're doing all these and you're doing all your other projects, your mind begins to work and think, right? Okay, how can I use previous work, or how might I present it? What sort of book might I do? Uh, I'm the same. Yeah, your your mind begins to work away and slightly. Mm. How how can you progress it? Because everything that you make is always a learning process, and you begin to just make minor tweaks, minor adjustments, and and build up the skill build up knowledge base and stuff like that as well and i love the i love one your time lapse video that you did of uh, the the passerby it's wonderful to see the whole process at, at breakneck that. speed i uh, but then also your <laughs> your your recent videos if only only took a minute and 40 seconds or whatever it is to make the books but uh, i know but also your recent <laughs> your recent your recent videos as well just they, i think i think they're wonderful examples for anyone who's interested in making handmade book handmade books just to show that the actual craft process of it because as you've said it's certainly part of the thing that i really enjoy as well yeah and it's it's great this these day this day and age to to be able to do this sort of stuff and yeah. find an audience for it you know because if you think you know for so long uh the you know the galleries and gallerists were the gatekeepers in terms yeah. of how to how to kind of find an audience and and a lot of it was luck a lot of it was yeah. was was uh how good you were at, at kind of pushing out there and i'm very much an introvert I, I i find it i'm not i'm not very forward in that sense um and um you know i mean i i can be gregarious i can all that kind of stuff but but I find it exhausting, you know, the thought of having to make connections with gallerists and galleries and portfolio reviews and blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, but but today with the internet and with social media and stuff, if you if you can 
you know, you can find your own audience and build it up bit by bit. And, yeah. and um, you know, and people people will buy these little things. Yeah, and, and there's, and there's so a, that's a, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a wonderful community as well for photo books, I think, a real community of people who are really interested in them mm. um, and a total variety of it as well. And, and as you say, it's like, yeah, you find you find a, a wee niche, a, a nice product that you know you can you can produce as, as you've done and you you kind of um work on the process and you kind of finesse it and then you get to position that, that works works for you and you can you can begin to I suppose as you say produce them slightly quicker than you would do in the early days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, with fingers intact. Um, but uh, <laughs> but also, yeah, you you had Mark Wilson on, uh, and yeah. um, he and I were in that photo book club collective. Um, yeah, oh, cool. And so you know, we did a lot of zooming and things during the during the pandemic, and and formed some friendships and stuff. Certainly for the last year or so, I've not been terribly active there. Um, but having found my feet now with with the with the passerby and and knowing what it is I want to do for the next couple of years. I think I'll, I'll, I'm going to get a bit more involved there and see how that plays out. Brilliant. But um, I think certainly for the next year or so, just concentrate on, on trying to, um, trying to gather a bit more of an audience either through Facebook uh, through um, Instagram or on my blog posts or whatever. And that's where I think those little videos are important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause that's, you know, people like to, they certainly seem to be responding well to them. So I'll probably make a sped up one sure. like like Passerby three. I'll probably make one of those for each one that yeah, I make yeah. going forward. You know, and 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 as a way to try and get the word out. And, yeah, absolutely. And, I think it's always appealing. It's always interesting just to see the process. Yeah, um, and and how and how they always work, and it, it gives a different perspective, particularly for as you say, it, it builds an audience because people can connect and relate to the whole process that you're going through to produce it. And it's not just right here it is. You can actually sit down and kind of watch their, watch the book that they've now got being made. Mm. Yeah. And I wonder too, eventually using, using the blog posts uh, to try and get the message out. Uh, but also not to get the message out necessarily, but to have more of a conversation, have a bit more to and fro. So perhaps even getting some ideas from people as to where I might, yeah. go yeah. where you know yeah. where is a good suggestion to go and kind of take a look and and, and yeah or, a, or yeah. an event or some kind yeah. of you know whatever it might be uh some group doing something odd in some location where i could go and take a look and see if there's something there yeah new directions um, new angles to take and stuff yeah, like that yeah yeah that kind of thing we'll it, see you know or maybe even explore each of london's boroughs and <laughs> Yeah, that, well, that that that's the thing. It, it opens up the world of, yeah. of opportunities and ideas, and and yeah, you can, as you say, it's then just a, the challenge to just finding the time to do these things. That's right. Yeah. But uh, but no, I as part of as part of the podcast, I'm always interested as well to know uh, what books my my guests like. So if if there's a few four, three, four, five photo books that you particularly like it would be great to share because it's always it's i'm always curious to see how they connect to someone's own work um, yeah but... yeah yeah i uh the the book on brooklyn that alex webb did with with his with his partner uh i i really like that one um cool. rebecca norris webb because i'm i think my she's probably one of my favorite photographers at the moment some of the stuff she's doing so it's a lovely book i mean i could go and grab it it's on the shelf there but uh 
Alex's work is on the front and back and hers is is a separate little kind of thing in the middle. Oh, right. And all her pictures are double page spreads in, in, the, in, in their big joint book on Brooklyn. That's that's definitely a, a big one for me. I love that because um, they're, they're, they're slightly different styles. His is very it's very typical Alex Webb, isn't it? Multi-layered and yep. reflections and shadows and bright colors. And hers is very poetic and quite soft and and, and, um, and, and just magical, really. Just love the way she. So that's a that's a fabulous book because you got yep. you got the best of both in there in, in terms right. of where my tastes lie in the same book. Um, anything by Harry Greer. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, Greer, great. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Belgian photographer at Magnum. Yep. Um, I've got three of his books, um, but the one I like the most is the book that he made in Ireland. It's a very small book. Um, it's a portrait shaped book, but all the pictures are small little um, landscape cool. pictures in there. Yeah. But uh, he gets the Irish light so perfectly. So it's such a moist light. Um, but he shot he shot it in the eighties, and um, yeah, it's 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 beautiful and poetic and 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 slightly bonkers. Um, <laughs> and I love that, and I I dip into that a lot. Um. Yeah, what else? Uh, those are big ones. Sidewalk, of course, by Jeff Mermelstein. That's that's uh, you know I'll, I'll dip into that quite a bit too. Um, I love it. I mean, it's it's audacious. Um, it's a, a Diary Lewis book. It's fabulous. Have you seen it? No, I've not seen it. Sidewalk. No. Oh, it's, take, it's a cracker. I'll take, I'll take a look. Yeah, yeah, but that's just that's that's hardcore street photography. That's in New York that I really recognize. You know, I was there for yeah. eight and a half years. So, yeah, um, yeah. Let's see what else off the top of my head now. Um, in terms of black and white work, uh, I have the Workers by Sebastian Salgado, which is yep. superb. I love that. Um, that's a that's a big book. I pull that out every so often. Um, he, he he he's he's been mentioned several times over the years. That I've been doing the podcast, and always a yeah. variety, and always an interest of books. Just so epic, and but his compositions are are, are astonishing. Um, and I have um I have Southwest by by Niall McDiarmid, Neil yeah. McDiarmid, beautiful yeah. book. Um, oh, wonderful! The colors are the colors. It's, it's, are, it's all are about incredible. the color and the light. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. That very kind of. Southwest is lovely. What what was interesting about because he and I have talked about this. He he was doing Southwest around the same time as I was doing Southeast, Southeast yeah. uh, which became which became another contributing factor to my calling at Hinterland ultimately. Yeah, um, yeah it was interesting but, when when you were talking earlier on about yeah you were just saying like yeah photographing when I'm getting out and about when I can in 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 the Southeast. I, I immediately and you were saying yeah just the colours and things that like I was immediately thinking of yeah. Remember Neil McDermott did his did his book Southwest and it's it's a wonderful book and yeah just similarities as well yeah. that's it yeah yeah that's a lovely book I like that yeah. that's a lovely book I dip into that a lot just because well it's London it's familiar but it's also it's uniquely him that lovely yeah. color palette that he has you know yeah it's that... superb um, but yeah. no yeah what wonderful suggestions there some of which some of which I... <laughs> well some. some... 
some of which I've not heard about, but uh, I will be sure to check them all out because for me, it's, it's it opens doing this podcast and hearing what other people's books, the books that they enjoy. It opens mm. your mind up. It opens your mind up to to new photographers, people that you never come across, and you yeah. can you can begin to go and explore their work and just find yeah. find new sources <laughs> of inf- influence and. There is. I just. I just realized. There's another book that I really like. It was who's. Um, um, I don't know. You may have. Have you heard of David Solomon's? He's a photographer at Up Photographers, another street photographer here in London. Yeah. He did a book called Up West, which I really like, and I think it's. Um, cool. It deserves to be um, a highly regarded book. It is, in my view, it's a very, it's a very fine book. Yeah. Beautiful work. Beautiful work. Um. That's that's a terrific picture, that a terrific photo book. I recommend anybody to try and try and get that. So he does bump books. He does those little bump books. Have you seen oh, those? Yeah, I've seen the them. Zines that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Up West was his first big. Mm, I think cool. it, well, not not his first book. He did a book on the underground, which I also have. But but Up West, I think is is superb. And it's right up there. Cool. Um, I'll so check more that of that sort of thing, David. If you're listening, let's <laughs> have another. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, and I'm also I'm really looking forward to Chris Harrison's book. Right. Um, yeah, Chris Harrison in, in down in Brighton. He's got a new book coming out, and I think that's going to be a cracker because he's uh, he's got quite an eye. Uh, cool. Some lovely stuff. Brilliant stuff. Well, so Paul, it's been a, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you this evening. Thank you so much for your time. I really thoroughly enjoyed hearing about uh, your background and also just uh, your passion for 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 photography and passion for handmade books as well which i think is uh, is wonderful and extremely infectious and i take my hat off to you for getting up to passerby eight and i look forward to seeing passerby nine and also to seeing <laughs> if you also to seeing if you're the the actual physicality of it ever changes and how you maybe if you maybe tweak it or do something slightly different because I know you've obviously got it down to a fine T now in terms of size scale and everything but I, I wonder if at some point you maybe buy yourself a bigger printer that allows you to allows you to print slightly bigger pictures so yeah maybe maybe yeah um I have all kinds of ideas spinning around yeah. some of them are are are, are completely daft but um. <laughs> But they have to be built and looked at and played with to, to see Absolutely. how they might manifest. Yeah. Um, but um, thank you very much. Um, Cheers. And, uh, it's been it's been a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>